Um, let's pray for his help. Um, Father, you know um, how often in the busyness of our lives and the noisiness of our lives, um, we find it hard to find the quiet, um, maybe externally, but also internally, um, to, to listen to you and to listen to your word, which we so desperately need. Um, and so I want to pray, uh, Lord, you know, you know the things that might distract us over the next half hour. Um, I want to pray, uh, would you help us to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Um, I pray we would hear it as a living and active word that reaches our depths, um, that speaks to the center of our being. Um, we pray that the seed of your word would find good soil in our hearts this morning and that it would bear good fruit. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so continuing um, a little two-part series uh, focused on Mary um, in the, the story in Luke. Um, we're going to read a little bit more in Luke chapter 1 uh, this morning. Um, I love in the nativity story, the Christmas story in Luke, um, it's full of various things. It's full of angels. Angels pop up everywhere. Um, but it's also full of songs. People keep bursting into song. Uh, the good news of great joy um, makes people burst into song uh, all through the story. And we've already heard this morning from David um, Zechariah's song as he held John the Baptist in his arms and sang. Um, later on in the story, of course, the angels have a song on the hillside uh, with the shepherds. Uh, but this morning we're going to read Mary's song. Uh, the setting for this is when Mary, just after what we read last week, when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth um, and the, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy um, uh, whenever uh, 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 the child is aware of uh, Mary uh, being nearby uh, and the baby that Mary is carrying. Um, and so that's the setting. Um, and we're going to read uh, from Luke chapter 1. I'm not going to put it on the screen, so you can just listen along or you can follow uh, in your own Bible. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. That's our reading um, for this morning. Um, I'd, love, I'd love to encourage you um, 
It's a beautiful passage, a beautiful song. Um, I'd love to encourage you to take it into your week with you. And you will notice all kinds of things that um, I haven't noticed or that we don't talk about uh, this morning. Um, in many ways, I'm not going to talk actually about um, what is maybe the central theme of Mary's song, but I want to mention it for a second. Um, for me, I think the central theme of Mary's song is, is what you might call this great reversal, where the proud and the powerful and the rich are brought down and humbled, and the humble and the weak and the poor are lifted up. That's kind of the big central theme um, of the whole song. Um, and I'm not going to focus on that this morning, but I, I'd love to encourage you to, um, to look at that and reflect on it this week, uh, and just to sit and reflect on it. Um, what, what does that mean for how we see the world? If God is the kind of God who brings down the rich and powerful and lifts up the humble, how does that change how we view the world? How does it change how we pray? Uh, what does it mean for the church, for us as a community? If God is a God who brings down uh, the, the powerful and the influential and the rich, but lifts up the humble, how does that treat, change how we treat each other and welcome each other and welcome those who come into our community? Um, and maybe what does it mean for you as an individual? Um, might there be places where we have become proud uh, in our thoughts and need to be humbled by God? Or are there places where we are downtrodden and down, downhearted and need to be lifted up by God? So I'd love you to reflect this week, that big theme uh, of, of the, the song. Um, how does it change how you see the world, how you see the church? Um, where do you need to hear that um, yourself? But that's not what I want to um, focus on this morning. Um, I want to focus this morning just on one line in Mary's song. Um, often, I think, in the Bible, one sentence or phrase can bring to mind echoes of other passages in the Bible. Uh, I think when Wallace was speaking in the summer, um, he described this as a kind of hyperlinking, because you, know you know when you're reading something on the internet and there's a phrase that is kind of bolded or underlined, and if you click on it, it'll take you somewhere else. Uh, and there's a kind of hyperlinking in the Bible where one phrase, if you pay attention to it, will lead you to all kinds of other parts of the Bible. And if you pay attention to those echoes, it can bring fresh light. And so I want to do that with you a little bit this morning. It's something that's caught my attention this year that's kind of a new thing that God's been teaching me uh, as I've thought about Mary's song. Um, and this is the phrase I want to focus on. Um, Mary sings, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. That's the phrase that's caught my attention this year. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. Now, just before we think about that phrase, um, I want to just notice with you something interesting and puzzling, uh, which is this, that Mary expresses all through the song, she expresses all of her statements in the past tense. I don't know if you noticed that as we read. Um, everything she says, she says, the Lord has done all these things. And it's a little bit surprising because I, I kind of expect it to be expressed in the future because we associate all the things that Mary talks about with the coming of Jesus, with the coming of the child that she is going to bear. Um, Jesus is the one who brings this upside down kingdom that turns everything upside down. So I kind of expect Mary to say, the Lord is going to do this. 
But instead, she says, the Lord has done this. Um, Daryl Johnson, um, in his book on Advent, which I've been reading, um, suggests two reasons why Mary speaks in the past tense, and I find this really helpful. Um, one is that Mary herself, in her own personal experience, has already experienced these things. Um, God could have chosen someone rich and powerful and influential to bear the Christ child, uh, but instead he chose Mary uh, from her humble, ordinary, poor background for this amazing privilege and honour. And so Mary can say, the mighty one has done great things for me. Um, he has already lifted her up from her humble place. So for Mary, it's already happened, these things. Um, but the second reason, uh, and this is the bit that kind of blows my mind, I've uh, I find this really beautiful and powerful. Um, the second reason is something that Mary knows about God. And that is this, that when God says something, it is certain to happen. And when God begins something, it is certain, uh, he is certain to carry it on to completion and finish it. So Mary knows that when God has set something in motion, it is now as good as done. You can speak of it as a done deal. And so in a sense, Mary can speak of all that God is about to do through Jesus. And she can speak of it as already done. God has done these things. Um, and I find that there's something there about God's relationship with time as well. Uh, but there's something kind of beautiful and profound in that. Um, so maybe you want to uh, reflect on that a little bit. Um, but let's come back to this phrase. What, what do we make of this phrase about God's arm? Um, it's, a, it's a kind of interesting thing, isn't it? We know that God doesn't have a body. Um, God is spirit. Um, but the Bible often actually speaks of God using different body parts to express something about God's character uh, and about his action and his behavior. And if you wanted to, you could go and do a study on God's face in the Bible or God's eye or God's hand or God's mouth. There are even verses that talk about God's shoulders or God's wings. There's an interesting one. Um, the Old Testament actually often speaks of God's arm. And so for a Jewish person who was steeped in the language of the Old Testament, that line in Mary's song, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm, would have been majorly hyperlinked. It would have been flashing um, because it reminds us of all kinds of themes in the Old Testament. Uh, and I want to reflect with you on three of those um, Old Testament associations uh, this morning. So you ready? So we're, the arm of the Lord, um, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. Where does that take us in the Old Testament? There's lots of places, but I want to mention three. Uh, the first one is this, Deuteronomy 26, verse 8, says, so the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. Um, I actually think, I think probably for most Jewish people, this is where their mind would have gone first because um, the Exodus is the big central event in the story of the people of Israel. And this is the classic way that the Old Testament speaks about this event. You'll find this language repeated many times in the Old Testament. Actually, before it even happened, 
Um, God promised in Exodus 6, I will free you from being slaves and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Um, That's what God says he's going to do. And then whenever the people of Israel look back on that event, the classic language is God did it with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. He brought us out of slavery in Egypt. Um, It's a phrase that speaks of God's thunderous power, which sent 10 plagues on Pharaoh and the Egyptians, which parted the Red Sea and drowned Pharaoh's armies, which was so much greater than all the powers of Egypt, whether that's the power of Pharaoh or his magicians or the gods of Egypt. Um, that it speaks of God's power. Um, it's a phrase that speaks of a living God, an active God who acts decisively to bring freedom to his people, to bring them out of slavery into a new life. So whenever you hear the phrase, the arm of the Lord, it's speaking of God's power to rescue, God's power to liberate, God's power to bring people out of slavery into freedom. There's kind of our first reflection for this morning. Um, Advent is a time for waiting and a time for longing. Um, And it's a time really for naming the things in our lives and in our world that are broken or dark or sad and to pray for Jesus to come into those places. I think that's the heart of what this season is about. Um, And so maybe here is something we can reflect on in this season. Um, I want to give you a couple of questions uh, to take into the week. Where are the places in our lives where we are still in slavery? Where we're kind of still in Egypt? where we are entangled and held captive by something. It could be by sin or by um, fear or by shame or by all kinds of things that hold us captive. Um, Where are the places where we are not yet walking in freedom? And I want to encourage you this week, ask the Holy Spirit to show you those places this week in your own life and name them, be specific. You might want to write them down. Here are the places in my life in this Advent season where I am still in slavery, where I'm not yet walking in freedom. And then you can pray into those areas. Come, Lord Jesus. Come with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Come and defeat the enemies that are holding me captive. Come and bring me into freedom. Real freedom, deep freedom, um, full freedom. Um, So there's the first thing, the arm of the Lord. God powerfully rescues his people from slavery. Uh, Maybe that's something you can pray into and reflect into uh, this week. Here's a second hyperlink, a second connection uh, with as we think of God's arm. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11 says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. And he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Um, This time where we are in the the biblical story, God's people are not in slavery in Egypt, but now they are in exile in Babylon. That's the the setting. Uh, They are far from home. They are strangers in a strange land. And if you ask, why are they there? They're there partly because of global politics, 
because Israel is a small nation in a world of big empires and they're getting kicked around by various bigger powers. But also, in large part, they're there in exile because of their own sin and foolishness. And the prophets often reminded them of that, um, that they had done this to themselves, that they had, they had, uh, uh, it was their own um, foolishness that had, had landed them there. But the same prophets who reminded them, you did this to yourself, um, also speak words of beautiful comfort and hope. And they remind the people of Israel that the same God who rescued them from Egypt is with them now in exile in Babylon and will rescue them again. Uh, and again, the language of the arm of the Lord is used. Um, and here again in Isaiah 40, I think God's arm speaks of, certainly of strength and power. And actually the verse before, verse 11, which I didn't read in verse 10, says, see, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. So there it is again, uh, speaking of God's strength. But you can also see here how it also speaks here of gentleness and tenderness, gathering the lambs in his arms, carrying them close to his heart, bringing the lost sheep home. So there's great strength to liberate his people, but there's also tremendous tenderness and gentleness as God carries his people. And so I want to offer you this as another reflection for this Advent season um, to go alongside the previous one. Um, another couple of questions. Where are the places in our lives where we are in exile? This is a, maybe a slightly different question to being in slavery. Where are the places where we feel in some way not at home in our own lives, where we feel a little lost or a little lonely or afraid or sad. Um, and by the way, like Israel, we might be in that place of exile because the world is harsh and unkind and cruel and we get hurt. Um, we also sometimes are in exile because of our own foolishness and sin. And usually it's a mix of the two. <laughs> The world hurts us and also we hurt ourselves by our, our choices. Um, but I want to encourage you this week, ask the Holy Spirit to show you those places in your life where you are in exile, where you are far from home, where you're a little lost or lonely or sad. Um, and name those places and be specific and maybe you want to write them down uh, as you reflect this week. Um, and then you can pray into those places Come, Lord Jesus, um, come to us where we are hurt and lost and sad and gather us in your arms and carry us close to your heart and tend us as our good shepherd and bind our wounds and lead us gently home. Bring us gently uh, to the Father's house. Um, so you see already, I hope, how one little phrase from the Bible can set off all kinds of rich associations God powerfully bringing his people out of slavery. God tenderly, gently carrying his people home from exile. Um, but I want to share one final one. Um, I'll share it in two parts. Um, Isaiah 52, uh, so a little, a little later on in Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah 52 verse 10 says, The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, 
and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. It's one of those verses that can make the hairs on your neck stand up. The Lord will bear his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. All the ends of the earth are going to see the salvation of our God. And you can see again the same themes that we've been talking about. Um, You're thinking, here we go again. God shows his strength by rescuing his people and all the nations are going to see that he is mighty to save. All those big themes are there again. But then in Isaiah, um, Isaiah takes an unexpected turn. And if you keep reading on through Isaiah 52, you come to Isaiah 53 and you read these words. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And you may recognize those words because we're we're heading there into one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. And it goes on and says, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. And he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And you, maybe by now you know, if I, keep, if I kept reading, we would read of this strange figure called the servant of the Lord, who was despised and rejected and a man of sorrows, who took our pain and our suffering, who was pierced for our transgressions, who takes the punishment and brings us peace, whose wounds bring us healing. Uh, Maybe you want to go and read those words for yourself later on. Um, But I wonder, does it strike you This is a really strange way for God to bear his arm and show his strength. This has been an image all through the Bible of God demonstrating his thunderous, almighty, awesome power. The Lord will bear his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, but he's going to do it by coming as a servant who suffers, who is pierced, who bleeds for us. Um, It's a strange way for God to bear his arm and show his strength. But this is the way that God chose. First, by becoming a baby held in his mother's arms. Isn't that an extraordinary thing? Been thinking about the arm of the Lord. He he becomes an infant held in his mother's arms. As one of our carols says, he becomes little, weak and helpless. Right, The one with the mighty hand and the outstretched arm becomes little and weak and helpless. And then in the end, he allows himself to be led like a lamb to the slaughter and allows his own arms to be nailed to a rough Roman cross. Um, It's not where we expected the theme of the arm of the Lord to go. Um, He has come to rescue his people from slavery. He has come to bring them home from exile, but he does it with two outstretched arms on the cross as he suffers with us and for us. Uh, And so this is our our final reflection uh, for this Advent season. Um, I just want to encourage you to find a little quiet this week. Maybe maybe you can do it tonight in the upper room or some other time this week. Um, Just to find time and quiet to be amazed again by this, by the wonder of this strange and unexpected gospel where the God of unimaginable strength 
and might and power and majesty um, has laid aside his majesty and come all the way down to the feeding trough at Bethlehem, to the cross on a hill outside Jerusalem in order to set us free, in order to bring us home. It's a strange gospel. It's an unexpected gospel. It's a beautiful gospel. The songwriter says, the Lord of infinity, stooping so tenderly, lifts our humanity to the heights of his throne. Oh, what a mystery, meekness and majesty. Bow down and worship. This is your God. Um, we're going to sing that song um, in a second. Um, but I wonder, could we just take a moment in quiet? Um, you may want to ask someone to pray with you uh, at the end of church today. Um, but let's take a moment in quiet, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll sing together. Father, I want to thank you that um, you know our hearts and you know the places where right now we are still entangled and still um, enslaved by different things and not yet walking in freedom. And Father, I want to thank you that you know the places in our lives where we are um, in exile, where we are still not quite at home uh, and at peace. And Father, I want to pray that you'd help us this morning to hear the gospel word, to hear the gospel good news for us, that you have come in power to set us free, that you've come in gentleness and tenderness to carry us home. And Father, I want to pray uh, that in this Advent season, you would come and meet us where we are. Um, Father, thank you that that is what you do that you laid aside your majesty and came all the way down to the depths to meet us where we are and to bring us um, into freedom and the fullness of life and to bring us home. Um, Father, I want to pray that in this Advent season you would stir our hearts in a fresh way with the, the wonder of this gospel that nobody could have guessed at and nobody could have expected um, that the God of infinity has stooped so tenderly in order to lift us up. Um, Father, I pray this Advent season, would you lead us into wonder? Would you lead us into worship? Uh, would you lead us into gratitude for all that you've done for us? And would you bring us into fresh freedom 
and a fresh experience of your strong love uh, at work in our lives. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing together.